Hey, it's Cody Woodard, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this message encourages you and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. Come on, if you're thankful, put your hands together. Yeah. Woo. Hey, I enjoyed the nine, but the 1045, y'all, something's gonna happen today. Let's go. Holy Spirit's moving in this place. Hey, if you... Uh, you're ready to receive the word of God today will somebody shout I'm ready ready. need a second say hold up all right here we go I'm gonna go to numbers chapter 11 today we're continuing in our series called kingdom influencers and we're gonna take a look at a probably one of the right after one of the greatest miracles that happens in the Bible and uh, I believe it's gonna encourage you today it's gonna challenge you today so I'm gonna go to numbers chapter 11 I'm gonna read from verse 4 then we're gonna skip two chapters and go to numbers 13 Here's what it says, Numbers chapter 11, verse four. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at, watch this, no cost. Somebody say no cost, at no cost. Also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlics. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Let's skip over to Numbers chapter 13. We're going to go to verse 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. What land? The promised land. The land that God promised to Moses. The land that was flowing with milk and honey. That land. Ten spies come back and give a report. Here's what they say. They come back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. But Caleb, say but, But Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. But, say but. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. A bad report. They're staring at the land God promised. The land flowing with milk and honey. And the New King James says that they, they spread an evil report, a bad report, about the very land God promised them. Wow. It says, they said, the land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw there were huge. We even saw giants, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers and we looked the same to them. I'd like to preach for you today from the subject title, Take the Land, Take the Land, Take the Land. Turn to your neighbor and say, Take the Land, Take the Land. That's what we want to do today. If you will, will you stretch your hand towards heaven and I want to pray for you. Invite God to do what only God can do. So hey, we thank you so much, God, for, for everything you're already doing in this room right now. The hearts that you're already stirring that are turning towards you. God, we thank you, Holy Spirit, you are in this room and you are moving. God, would you do the work only you can do? Would you get us out of the way? And God, may we receive what you have for us. May we receive your word that we know doesn't return void, that has the power to pierce our hearts and to change us forever. And so God, would you, would you just do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask, think, or imagine? God, I know there's some people who came in here today because they heard about us on Instagram or Facebook or a family member invited them. And they may have come just thinking that they were gonna come to a church. God, I know people who call Renovation Home who are here week after week who who love this place. But God, I just pray that today would be different. God, we're not here to celebrate just the freedom in our country, though we're grateful, but we're here to celebrate the freedom we have in you. And so God, we don't want today to just be another Sunday. God, would you just move? And we leave different than when we walked in. We love you so much in Jesus' name. Everybody sit. Amen. Hey, say hi to somebody sitting next to you. Tell them they look good today. Happy 4th of July. Happy 4th of July. We're so glad you're here. 
Well, hey, before I dive into the message, I wanna welcome all of our first-time guests in the house. Come on, church, put your hands together. We got some first-time guests in the house today. Hey, we never try to embarrass you or anything, but we do wanna connect with you. And so again, like Courtney mentioned, uh, during the middle of service, if you would, just fill out that connect card, take it to the tent outside, our VIP tent, and we have just a special gift for, for being here today. And uh, before, we, before we dive into the, the context of this passage, uh, we have an exciting announcement for you. Um, a lot of it's due to you because so many of you bring people week in and week out, and so many of you have belong, now that belong to this church and that are sitting in these chairs are here because somebody who calls this place home invited you. And so because of that, on August the 8th, we are adding a third service. Come on, somebody who's excited about it. It's gonna be a lot of fun, can't wait. And uh, our service times are gonna shift a little bit. And so you have the option to either come a little earlier or come a little bit later, whichever you prefer. Uh, maybe if you went to the Freedom Fest last night and were up late due to the fireworks, you could sleep in. Uh, but we're gonna do an 8.30 service. Come on, somebody, I know that's not you. The nine o'clock crowd's like, oh, they're gonna get there though. 8.30, 10, and 11.30 on August the 8th. And uh, hey, I wanna, I wanna invite you now, it, it, whether you're first time guests or not, I wanna invite you to bring people to it. When we launched this church about a year and a half ago, we launched about 484 people. Uh, this weekend, we're gonna, we're gonna pray and ask God for August 8th to, to give us over 500 people. And here's why I say that. Um, we don't, we're not just a church that like, we don't just count numbers for numbers sake, but by the way, we are looking at the book of numbers today. Come on, somebody. And, uh, and the reason why is because every number represents a name and every name has a story and every story matters to God. And so we celebrate what God is doing. And for four months straight, somebody has said yes to Jesus every single week in, in this service right here. So thank you, guys. But hey, if you're ready to dive in, I want to jump into the content today. Numbers chapter 11. Let me give you a little bit of context. Um, and so this, th what we just read has happened two weeks after arguably one of the greatest miracles that happened in all of Scripture, probably the greatest miracle that happens in the Old Testament. The greatest miracle, of course, being the, the resurrection of Jesus, but the miracle that happened two weeks prior to this moment was that three million Israelites are instantaneously, miraculously set free from the hand of Pharaoh. God, in his mighty hand, rescues his people from the land of Egypt. And here they are just two weeks later, and they're already complaining about the place that they're in. See, they're in the place that we call the wilderness. They're in the place where they left where they were, they were at, which was Egypt, and they are headed to where they're going next, which is the promised land, and they find themselves in the middle. They find themselves in the wilderness, and in the wilderness, they, they already are talking about, we wanna go back to Egypt, which is interesting, because Egypt, was the place that they were enslaved to for 400 years. I mean, for 400 years, there was, there was slavery. For 400 years, there was beatings. For 400 years, there was rape. For 400 years, there was separation of families. For 400 years, there was oppression. For 400 years, there was a depression. There was, there was bondage. And two weeks after they saw God split the Red Sea, two weeks after they saw Pharaoh die in the waters, after they have seen a pillar of smoke by day and by night that would guide them, after they have seen the rock that bursts open and provides fresh water and follows them around everywhere they go, they have seen miracle after miracle after miracle and how God has provided for them manna coming down from heaven so that they don't die in the desert. After they see all of this, after they, they see the miracles and they are in fact a walking miracle, they say, we wanna go back to Egypt. Why? Well, before they were enslaved for 400 years, they were free for 30. And if you read in Genesis, you'll find out that the reason that they went to Egypt was because there was a famine in all of the land. And so they didn't go to Egypt initially because they were running from God, like Jonah that doesn't wanna follow his calling. Like that's not why they went. They went to Egypt so that they wouldn't die. They went to Egypt so they wouldn't starve. They went to Egypt out of survival. So they're in Egypt for these first 30 years. And the interesting thing was there's a drought everywhere else, but Pharaoh has food. And so for 30 years, Pharaoh was the one that took care of them. Pharaoh was the one that provided for them. 
Pharaoh was the one that made sure that they didn't starve when everybody else around them was. They went out to Egypt for a real need. And it's easy for you and I to look back and we know the story of Pharaoh and, and they didn't know that 30 years in, all of a sudden they would become enslaved to Pharaoh. They didn't know that, which gives me compassion when I see certain people, when other people may judge people for going to Pharaoh, when other people may judge people for making decisions out of survival. My heart is filled with compassion because I think sometimes we make decisions so that we just don't starve in the meantime. And, and so here they are, they're they're now two weeks set free. And isn't it interesting? Like what kind of mindset did they have to have to forget about 400 years of slavery all for some fish and some garlic and onions? Garlic and onions ain't even that good. How do you forget the abuse? How do you forget the rape? How do you forget the separation? Like how do you forget all of that? Like everything you've been through for 400 years, and now two weeks in, you get a little bit uncomfortable, and so now you wanna go back? Why? Well, because when you find yourself in an uncomfortable situation, you'll do whatever it is you need to do to get in a comfortable situation. When you find yourself in a place that's unfamiliar, you'll do what you have to do to bring yourself to a place that's familiar. Let me give you a practical example in my life. I remember a couple years ago, my family and I went to the wilderness. We went to Cancun, come on somebody. And uh, we went with our best friends, um, Devin and Courtney, who live in Arkansas. And it was before we all had kids, of course. And, um, and, and we went to an all-inclusive resort. Now, because I'm a cheapskate, um, we went to the cheapest all-inclusive resort we could find. How many of you know, bad idea? You don't go to a cheap all-inclusive. Those of you who've never been to an all-inclusive resort, it's, it's beautiful, it's paradise. You can have all the food you wanna eat. You can have all the diet Coke you wanna drink. Come on, somebody. You can have the soft serve ice cream. I mean, you got it all. It's paradise. There's beds on the beach. It's beautiful. But when you pick the cheapest resort, the views look good, but the food, on another hand, some different. And so we didn't know this. And so we get there and we're thinking, okay, we're going to eat good every night. We're going to go to the nicest place on the resort. It's going to be awesome. And so we show up to the steakhouse, the Brazilian steakhouse. And they're like, uh, what's your reservation? What's the reservation under? I'm like, we don't got a reservation. And they're like, well, you got to have a reservation. I'm like, I'm on the resort. I paid like four grand to be here. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to eat. And they're like, sorry, you can't. It takes the reservation. So for the first two days, everything was booked up. So what were, we, what were we stuck with? We were stuck with the crappy frozen burgers, the frozen pizza and chicken and fries you can buy at the dollar store. You know what I'm saying? And the food was awful. And here we are, we're complaining. And I'm like, oh, we just got to get in. And we finally get in on the third night. And I'm looking forward to some, I'm looking forward to some filet mignon. Come on, somebody. Am I making anybody hungry yet? <laughs> I'm looking to some shrimp, some lobster tail. You get all the, the spread, any, everything you want. I'm thinking it's going to be a Roots Chris experience and a uh, little Jimmy Kelly's. And I'm, I'm excited. And all of a sudden, I, eat in, I bite into my first piece of steak. And it literally tastes like they killed the cow like a minute before. I mean, the nastiest steak I had ever had in my life. It was disgusting. It was just, it tasted, it tasted like a wild cow, which in America, we don't have wild cows. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was like, what? It's just, just a weird taste. It was bland. It was dry. Then I ate the shrimp. It's like been frozen and it tasted frozen. It tasted freezer burnt. They're like, oh no, it's fresh shrimp we got today. It's like, no, it's not. You know what I mean? And uh, we're so frustrated. So finally, I'm like, you know what? Forget it. We're going to go into the city of Cancun, which they tell you not to do, but we're going to do it anyway because I'm tired of their food. So we go into the city of Cancun. We drive out and I'm like, okay, we're gonna find some authentic Cancun food. I don't know, I don't know what else to call it. And uh, we get out and the first place we go to, we take like a taxi down the street a mile in and the first place we go to is some good food, McDonald's. Come on, somebody. <laughs> they open the door and I was like, oh, praise the Lord, McDonald's. Now, let me say this. I don't even like McDonald's. I'm a Chick-fil-A guy. If you've been to church at this, you already know. I'm not a McDonald's guy. Whataburger's come in the Gallatin, though. Let me just plug that. Come on, somebody. Oh, that's right. Uh, but that was, sorry. Let me get back on track here. So I'm not a McDonald's guy, and I'm like, yo, we got to eat at McDonald's. And Devin's like, what? He's like, bro, are you serious? McDonald's? I'm like, dude, listen, I'm so tired. I just got to have something comfortable. I got to have something familiar. I got to have something quick. I got to have something fast. I got to have something easy. He's like, bro, McDonald's is a chain restaurant. Like we can find a McDonald's anywhere in the country, any gas station. We can find a McDonald's. Why would you want to go to a chain? I said, I like chains. Mm. Why do you like chains? Well, because chains are the same everywhere you go. I like, I like chains because I'll go back to what is uncomfortable 
Or I'll go back to what is comfort even when I feel uncomfortable. I'll go back to some, to some comfort food when I feel uncomfortable. I'll go back to the thing that I don't even like just so that I can experience. So why would they, why would they go back to, to Egypt? I mean, who would do that? Who would go back to the place they were enslaved to for, for 400 years? Who would be stupid enough to go back when they're uncomfortable to eat something comfortable? Mm. You would. I would. Uh oh. They're like, we, we, we're so sick and tired of this stupid manna. I don't know if you know about manna, but manna was like God's provision for them. So when they left Egypt and they were in the desert in this moment, every single day, God would provide manna from heaven. It would be their daily bread. And in order to experience this, they would have to eat that bread. They had to take that bread and eat it that day. And what they tried to do was get slick like some of us, and they would try to store it up, and they would go look for it, and God would take it away. And so every single day, God had provided for them in the wilderness, but eventually it grew stale. And they say, we want to go back to Egypt at no cost. I like, I hate the manna. I don't want, I'm sick of it. It's the same thing every day. I hate the manna. I hate the man. I hate the woman. Here we go. I hate the job. I, I'm so tired of going to that place every single day. By the way, the place you used to pray for, the one you're in now, now you hate it. Oh, I hate, I hate that job, man, what? But, but, but a year ago, you was praying for it. And oftentimes, the place, the, the prayer request that we had in one season becomes a different prayer request than the next. Can anybody testify? You're like, oh, man, and you forget that, like, you forget what it cost you in the past. And we get so focused on what we want now. And we don't really think about what it cost us before. Write this down. Comfort always cost. Comfort always costs you something. It's never free. And my fear is that for so many of us, we will base our decisions in an uncomfortable season on what will make us comfortable in the moment, forgetting how it made us feel afterwards. And so we will go back to the place that we know is unhealthy. You know why they did this? We, call it, we have a term for that today, Stockholm Syndrome. And it's where you fall in love with your captor, where you start to only see the good that they've done in your life despite the abuse, despite the lies, despite that they stole everything you had, despite that it ruined relationships. But for whatever reason in our mind, we look back and we're like, I, I miss that. But you forgot how it felt after. You forgot the way it made you feel the next morning. You forgot all the pain. You forgot all the abuse because there was just a couple of years when they were good to you, but the last 15, they'd done nothing but physically, emotionally, and spiritually abuse you. And so we have this tendency that I want to talk about today that when we get uncomfortable, we go back to what's comfortable. And we, we, all, we all do it. We all have an Egypt. We all have comfort food. What's comfort food? Comfort food, I'm talking spiritually now, I'm not talking about pizza, okay? That's 15% of Americans' favorite comfort food, by the way. I'm not talking about that, I'm talking about spiritually. That you know it's bad for you, but it tastes good to you. We all got comfort food. We all got an Egypt. We all have a pharaoh. In fact, you show me your phone, I'll find your Pharaoh. You go back to the friends that used to cause all this pain in your life, but you had some fun moments with in high school. And so you go back to them because now, well, it's harder to find friends as an adult. Can I get an amen? And so when I can't find friends, I don't want to be lonely. So I'll just go back to the last people I used to hang out with. And then all of a sudden I find myself doing stuff I'd never done because I got comfortable, comfort food, comfort friends. How about, how about this one? Comfort phrases where you just find people who will tell you certain things that feel good, where you'll tell yourself things that feel good, though they're not true, and you'll lie to yourselves and cause yourself to believe this lie that everything is okay and that you're fine and that nothing's really wrong and it's just the way life is when really there's so much more that God has for you, but you've convinced yourself 
by the comfort phrase. And y'all, we can even do this with scripture. We'll quote off our favorite verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. God, I know the plans you have for me. Declares plans to prosper me, not harm me, plans to give me a hope and a future. And is that true? Absolutely. But what we don't want to talk about is that God gives promises to us, but they're ours to take. And you won't experience the promise unless you do it God's way. And, and we want to quote it, and we want it to feel good, and we want it to work. And the problem is, is we try to comfort ourselves, but all of a sudden, when it doesn't work, you realize it was just, it was just comfort food. And I came to tell somebody today that's in the middle of a season that you want to experience what God has for you, you want to experience the promise, but you're tempted to go back to Egypt. I came to tell somebody Egypt is not an option. Turn to your neighbor and say, Egypt is not an option. We're not going back. You can't go back because I know it looks good. I know it felt good. I know that it, it's appealing and everything is appealing when, when you're in a season that's unknown, when, when what you see doesn't line up with what God said. God, you promised me this. You promised me that. You, you promised you would, you would multiply my inheritance. You promised me peace. You, and, all, and all I got is this manna. I left Egypt for this manna. I left that for this. This is a bad, this is a bad trade. I'm just going to go back to the last time I was happy. But Egypt, it's not an option. And I came to take it off the menu for you today. Don't go back to Egypt. Don't go back to where you used to be enslaved to. Don't go back. And my fear is this, that you are the people of God, loved by God, called by God, chosen by God, appointed by God, but you will never experience the promise of God because you're seeking your comfort and you find yourselves forever stuck wandering around in the wilderness. Just wilderness wanderers. Because you're sick of the manna. By the way, do you know why they didn't like the taste of manna? Because God didn't want them to. Because if manna would have been good to eat, they would have stopped working. They would have stopped trusting. They didn't like the taste of manna because if they liked the taste of manna, they would have just stayed in the wilderness and died because they would have got comfortable. And for some of you, God has removed your taste for the comforts of this world. But you need to be prepared that when uncomfortable times come, something inside of you is going to want it again. You, you, you ever worked out? <laughs> you ever worked out and like two weeks in, you're on your diet, you're doing good, and you get on the scale and you weigh more, and then some idiot tells you, well, muscle weighs more than fat. And you're like, whatever. You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, you know what? Like, it's been going so good, but now it's like, it's hurting my body. I'm just sore all the time. And so what do we do? We stop going and picking up the broccoli and we pick up the briars and we have a good time at night. You know what I'm saying? But listen, Egypt is not an option. Egypt is not an option. And if we're not careful, oh, this is good. The, the place that we run to in one season for freedom will become the, the place that we're enslaved to in the next. Because see, they ran to Egypt to get free. But then Egypt became the place they were a slave to. If you're not comfort, careful, you will run to the place that looks good, that feels good, and may be right in one season, but it'll be the place that keeps you there in the next. And so if you want to be a kingdom influencer, and I believe everybody in here didn't come in to just get a cute little word and a, a pat on the fanny just so you can go have a nice week, okay? I think you came in here because you wanted something deeper. You wanted something more. And listen, I, I could, listen, I can preach all of the fluff verses, not, not, no, no disrespect to scripture, but I can, I can preach all the verses that will make you shout, amen. Somebody preach, say, preach a white boy over here in the corner, you know what I'm saying? Like, I can, I can do all that. And you, you can find people who will do it. And that's cool. Comfort food. I didn't come to preach something comfortable for you because that won't last in a season of wondering. I wanna give you the word of God, and I, I know that when I preach the word of God, it doesn't return void. And so God is trying to move you. The reason you're here today is he is trying to move you from either Egypt into the promised land or he's trying to keep you from, being in the, keep you from going back to Egypt from the promised land. So if you want to be a kingdom influencer, here's three things I got from the text today, starting in, in Numbers chapter 11. Here's the first thing. You got to choose your cost. Write that down. 
Choose your cost. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, choose your cost. Turn to the neighbor you don't like as much and say, choose your cost. You got to choose your cost. You got to choose your cost. What, what, is it, what does it say here? It says in Numbers chapter 11, it says that we remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. No cost? 400 years of slavery, no cost? But what did they remember? See, they had such a hard time looking at what was ahead of them because they kept remembering what was behind them. They're living in their glory days. I can tell you living in your glory days will stop you from living out what God has called you to do in the future. You gotta choose. You gotta choose your cost. Everything has a cost. Nothing is free. Can I get an amen? Not even your stimmy check. Come on, somebody. I had to. It's July 4th. Not even your stimmy check. Nothing is free. You gotta choose your cost. Everything has Everything has a cost, but you got to choose what you want to pay. Let's talk about some costs that we got to choose. Um, how about the choice of hard work or the choice of laziness? You got to choose your cost. <laughs> I talk to people all the time. They're like, man, I just need some more money. I'm like, okay, get a second job. They're like, mm, what? I'm like, yeah, go drive for Uber. You can make some money. Well, I don't like people. Drive for Uber Eats. Well, I don't want my car to stink. Roll the windows down. Figure it out. You know what I'm saying? You got to choose. Like, do I, want, do, I, do I want to be financially stable or do I want to be broke? Don't want to grind or don't want to be lazy. It's your choice. I remember like launch team days when we were grinding this out and trying to start this church. I mean, we're working. We're here till 2, 3 a.m. in the morning, flipping this building over, renovating everything, hence the name. Um, and, and so we're doing all this stuff. And, and I remember somebody asked me, how are you doing all this? You got a new baby. Your wife works full time. You're training. You're personally training people. You're trying to raise money for the church, and you're trying to recruit people to be a part of this church. And then you're trying to disciple them, start Bible studies, and make sure that it doesn't all go to crap. How are you doing it all? And I said, I had to choose my cost. Do I want to build something that will last forever, or do I want to build something that starts strong? You got to choose your cost. How about this one? Um, how about you, you got to choose? Um, how do you got to choose a budget, or you got to choose debt? How many know about some debt? You know what debt is, right? Buying things you don't need for people you don't like. Right? So you you got to choose. Is a budget hard? Yeah. It's uncomfortable most of the time. But I would rather pay for it now than pay for it later, wouldn't you? But you got to choose. Yeah, choose your costs. What about this one? What, what about the cost of what about the cost of sexual purity? or quick satisfaction. You gotta, you gotta choose your cost. You gotta decide, like, am I willing to be in a relationship and remain sexually pure? Am I willing to go to bed alone? Or you can choose not to. Your choice, your cost. You gotta choose it. You gotta choose your cost. I don't know about you, but I personally, I would rather go to bed lonely and be holy, come on, than live with regret and shame for a quick fix. I, that's just me. I would rather choose that. And I'm not saying I chose it perfectly. Trust me. Those are my BC days. What I'm saying from wisdom is going, hey, I, I'm just telling you, you got to choose your cost. You got to choose. Like, do you want to get to work on time or do you want to live hurried every day? <laughs> You're like, I need you to pray that I'll have favor with my boss. Or you got to be at work at 7.30. You need to stop waking up at 7.29. And you're like, I need favor with my boss. No, you actually need a hot shower. Stop walking in with bags under your eyes, a pillow, pillowcase crease down the center of your face up into work every day. You know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden, trust me, if you do this and you get up just a little earlier, you walk in and be like, wow. I have favor with my boss. No, you don't. You just went to church. You went to work like an adult. Come on, somebody. But you got to choose. Which one do you want? How about this one? You got to choose um, whether you want to live your life in fear or you want to live your life making bold decisions. You got to choose, but you can't have both. You got to choose. Do I want to do what the world has told me I have to do or do I want to live different and do what God has called me to do? I'll just tell you right now, the world's so much easier. I mean, sometimes people will try to come to Jesus thinking that everything's just going to become rainbows, love rainbows, but like, that's not what the world, that's not how it works. 
oftentimes, trust me, we have people come to Jesus every week and I'll tell them, one of the first things I tell them, your week next week is probably gonna get harder. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is now living inside of you and he's gonna convict you of your sin. And now you're gonna see things that go beyond just drinking a little too much. You're gonna see your selfishness and greed. And you're gonna be like, oh my gosh, what do, what do I do? Let me speak this to you. The same grace that saved you is the grace that sustains you. But you gotta choose your, you gotta choose your cost. Are you, are you tracking with me? You gotta choose, like, am I, am I gonna really just do what the, everybody else does and expect to get something different? Yo, there's a reason why people in Hollywood commit suicide every year. Money ain't gonna fix it. That's comfort food. Mm. That's comfort food. I mean, I like to have some, I ain't gonna lie, but that's comfort <laughs> food. It's like the only people that ever say that are the ones that ain't got none. But uh, that's okay, I'll, I'll be in that crowd for a little while. Like, what, what, you gotta choose what you want. You gotta choose and see in this moment, they had to choose. Do we go back to Egypt or do we trust God in the middle and trust him for our future? So here's number two, you wanna be a kingdom influencer, you gotta choose your butt. Turn to your neighbor, say, choose your butt. Turn to your second option, say, choose your butt. You better be careful with that. One T, how many of you know choosing your butt really matters? I'm gonna stop, hold on. That's right, someone's a breach, that's right. Choose your butt, you gotta choose your butt. Let's look at it, Numbers chapter 13. What does it say in, in this passage? So this is two chapters later, after they've been in the wilderness for 40 days. Here's what it says, Numbers 13, 27. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. But, somebody say but. but. The people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. Verse 30. But, say but. But, but Caleb silenced the people before Moses. Said so we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But, say but, the third bug gets you in trouble. The men who had gone up with him and said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. Here's my question. Which but will you choose? In life, you're going to be faced with a decision to either focus on your problem or focus on God's promise. God had told them that that was their land. God told them, go get it. It's yours. He made the promise, but they had to take it. Somebody say, take it. They had to take it. God's made you the promise, but it's yours to take. But you gotta choose your, you gotta choose your butt. And I gotta be careful with my butt because it's easy for me to pick the wrong one. Because see, some weeks, you know, I was talking to somebody a couple weeks ago, I guess, and, and we were talking about, I was talking to him, I was like, hey, you know, I'm really, he's like, how's church going, all that stuff? And I was like, it's good. And I was like, um, we're looking at starting a third service in August. And he said, really, you feel like you're ready for that? I was like, well, I think, I think so. He said, you should do it. You, sh you got it, bro. You should do it. You know what? Started early. You got now. Oh, but, 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 but here's the problem. But people are inconsistent in the summer. But I don't know if there's going to be a crowd that shows up. I don't know if people are going to give. I don't know if people are going to serve. If we start a third service, we may not have anybody actually show up to the third service. We, if we start a third service, we may not have enough volunteers to serve, but, 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 or maybe that could be, be true. I could say, but you know what? We're gonna do it because that means more lives will be changed. I'm not gonna allow what's uncomfortable to stop me from my calling. So if we do it, maybe more people will get baptized. Maybe more people will find community. Maybe more addictions will get broken off. Maybe the generational curse in families will go away. Maybe marriages will be restored. Maybe the land in Gallatin and in Hendersonville and in Lebanon and in Hartsville and in White House and in Portland, maybe the land God promised his people will get taken over if we'll just take it. But you gotta choose. Like, which one am I gonna, I'm gonna do? You gotta choose. You gotta choose your butt. And in my prayer for you, is that as a people that call Renovation Church home, listen, if you're, let me pause. If, if you don't call Renovation home yet, you can take a little mental break if you want. But let me just speak to the people who call this church home. Here's my prayer. That you wouldn't allow your butt to keep other people's butts from experiencing Jesus because you're stuck in your comfort zone. This church does not just exist for you. This church exists for those who are not here yet. And there's a lot of people in our city in our county, in our state, in our world, in your family, in your job, your friends. There's a lot of people who don't know Jesus. And what if God wanted to use your butt to get to theirs? 
say this all the time, there's only two butts we want in the seat. The butt that doesn't know Jesus and the butt that's helping people know Jesus. And if you're not one of those two, there's plenty of other churches you can go to. And I won't apologize for it. You know why? Because God promised us a land and he promised us a people and that if we'll step in to what God calls us to do and we'll do it God's way and not man's way, we won't feed people comfort food, they will actually grow healthy. And what I know about healthy things is healthy things grow. So I won't apologize for growth. I'm just gonna go, hey, listen, if you're in this church and you call this church home, you have a role to play. You can make a difference. You, you've been given a purpose and you're like, well, I don't know what to say. Neither did Moses. You know how many times I feel like I don't know what to say, but here's the thing I've learned is that if you'll step out in faith, God will speak in faith. You have no idea how one story, one word of encouragement, one invitation could change someone's eternity. But it may be uncomfortable. It may cost you friendships. It may cost you the invite on the boat later this afternoon. Comfort friends. Don't be a comfort friend. Be a friend that pushes people to what God's called them to. Amen? I don't know about you. I don't want to just experience heaven one day and walk through this earth and just be comfortable. I want to make heaven crowded, and I want the world to see what the kingdom really looks like because there's some people who are not going to live for themselves but live for Jesus. Can I get a witness in the house? So you got to choose your call. So you got to choose your butt. Number three, write this down. you got to choose your future. You gotta choose your future. The beautiful thing about the life that we get to live, y'all, is that we actually have the choice to make decisions. We're not robots. You can choose to do whatever you wanna do when you leave here. You can choose to do what you wanna do right now. But the choices you make today will change your tomorrow. They'll impact your tomorrow. You gotta choose your future. You gotta choose. What do you want for your life? Do you wanna just live and do what the world does? and listen to what the world says, and get a lot of awesome stuff in this, this earth, but then die and have no impact on humanity? I don't believe it about you. I think you were made for more, and I think you know you were made for more, and that's why you're here and you're going, what is my purpose in life? Your purpose in life is to glorify God and to make him known. You don't have to be a pastor to live out your purpose. Every single one of you is a minister of the gospel. Every single one of you has a story. And there's somebody in your world that needs to hear your story. There's somebody in your world, there is a butt in your world that is living by the wrong butt, doing the wrong things, that is just simply waiting on an invitation from you to bring them to a place you know God is gonna show up. And I can promise you this, y'all, there is no better feeling on the planet than seeing someone's life that was dead go from death to life through the power of Jesus because you decided to get off your butt and share the gospel with them. But you gotta choose your future. And there's three influences that will determine your future. Number one, your friends. Your friends shape your future. Your friends will determine if you live your life wandering in the wilderness or if you will step into what God promised. But you gotta pick your friends. Your friends will be the one that will determine when you get uncomfortable, if you'll go back to Egypt or you'll walk forward to the promised land. I've preached this all over the country. Show me your five friends and I'll show you who you'll become in five years. You remember the problem in the very beginning, Numbers 11 verse four? It says the rabble with them, begin to crave other foods. Some of y'all got some rabble in your life. And if you're gonna do what God's called you to do, you gotta remove the rabble. I'm not saying kill them, I'm just saying don't hang out with them. You gotta remove the rabble. You got the wrong voices in your head. The people that are telling you, why are you doing that? I was talking to somebody right before service. She said, you know, ever since I've given my life to Jesus, my relationship hasn't worked out. And somebody has made fun of me and asked me, why in the world would I make a decision to follow Jesus? And she said, it's the best decision I've ever made, but it ain't been easy. You better remove the rabble. Don't go back to Egypt. Egypt is not an option. It's not an option. We're taking it off the menu today. So you gotta remove the rabble. The second influence in your life is not only your friends, but your feelings. You remember what it says in Numbers 13? It says that next to them, the enemy, we felt like grasshoppers and they thought the same thing about us. So their feelings, determine their future and they never experienced the promised land and they died in the wilderness 
because they they, they wanted to be comfortable. They, they felt like grasshoppers. And if I was Moses, when they came back and gave this report, I would have been like, wait a second, weren't you spies? How did, how did they, how did you know what they thought about you? Did they see you? And I think some of us, y'all, we're, we're so, we, we tell ourselves these stories and we think we know what people will think about us if we do the right thing. And so we make decisions based upon what people we don't really know, that we don't really talk to, that we'll probably never hang out with and we won't even know in five years determine if I want to get baptized and let the world know that I love Jesus. Whether I want to show up at church on Sunday morning, we let people tell us, oh, you're, you're useless. That's stupid. You're dumb. Why would you do that? There's all these questions in science and stuff that the world, the church can't prove and Jesus doesn't talk about him. Look, science is trying to catch up with what God's already said. And that gets proven every single year. End of argument. But you got to remove the rebel. You can't follow your feelings. They're fickle. Your feelings will determine your future. Since they felt like grasshoppers, do you know how many times I will sit in my office over here and pray? And there are some Sundays where I feel fired up and ready like I am right now and just ready, like, let's go take the world, let's take the land. And then there's some weeks I'm on my knees bawling my eyes out because I feel like a grasshopper. And, And see, the people, they never entered into the promised land not only because they felt like a grasshopper, but because they felt like a grasshopper, they acted like a grasshopper. Because you become what you think. We did a whole series on it. And there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. So you can't follow your feelings. I'm not saying ignore them. Joel says, let the weak declare that they are strong. He doesn't say not to, he doesn't say to deny your feelings. He just says, don't let your feelings have authority over you. But there were two guys that said, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We're going to take the land and we're going to take it now. It's ours to take. God promised it. We're taking it. You want it now. Mm. And so here's the third influence, your faith. You're going to make a decision. You got to choose. Am I going to have faith or am I going to live in fear? Am I going to keep praying for clarity on something God's already called me to do? Or am I just going to go, you know what? I could fail, but you know, the only thing worse than failure is never trying. So you know what? I'm going to have faith that I'm going to step into what God has called me to do. And I'm just going to do it and trust that God's going to provide. He always has. Why wouldn't he provide now? But they felt like grasshoppers. And you know what's interesting? Is that when you read ahead in the story and you go to the book of Joshua, you see that you see that it says Israel was shut up or the land was Jericho was shut up because they were afraid of Israel the enemy was afraid of them the whole time and what I came to tell some of you is that you you think that you're a grasshopper and you think that the enemy knows you're a grasshopper see the problem is is that the enemy is just afraid that if you ever get a revelation in your life that you're not a grasshopper, you are not a worm, that you are a child of God and God has equipped you, called you, and will give you everything you need to do what he's called to do, he knows he has to flee at the name of Jesus. But he wants to keep you wandering around in the desert or send you back to Egypt because if you ever walk forward and go, I'm not a grasshopper, I'm a child of God, I'm gonna do what he's called me to do, he knows he doesn't have a leg to stand on. But you gotta choose faith fear. You, you got to choose your butt. You have to choose your cost. That's what Jesus did, wasn't it? Chose his cost. Hmm. Looked at you. Remember that time in the garden when he prayed and dropped sweats of blood? He said, God, if there's any other way, let this cup of suffering, your wrath, pass from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't choose his feelings? Instead, he chose you. He chose to pay the cost that you couldn't pay, to do what you couldn't do, to die the death that you deserved, to pay for the sin that you've committed. 
willingly chose to not sit on his butt, but instead get on the cross and say, God, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's what he chose. And I came to tell somebody he chose you. He chose your neighbor, but he chose you too. Despite your sin, despite what you've been through, despite how many times you've went to come for food, despite how many times you go back to Egypt, he chooses you every single time. And what happens is in order for them to experience the promised land, it says that they had to cross over the Jordan River. And Jordan River is significant in scripture. Anytime you see it, you should underline it because the Jordan River always signifies transition. It was where Elisha and Elijah transitioned and had their moment. It's where Jesus went from being a carpenter's son for 30 years, baptized in the Jordan River to then have the heavens open up and the voice of God say, this is my son whom I loved and with him I am well pleased. Before Jesus ever went out and did ministry, he was already, he was already affirmed that he was loved. And he gets in the river, he's baptized, then he steps into ministry. And do you know where he went? He went from the water to the wilderness, 40 days. But he never went back to Egypt. He's never turned his back on you and he never will. He loves you. And today is the day you get to make that decision and go, I'm yours. I receive your love, I receive your grace. There's nothing you can do. You can't buy your way, you can't earn your way, you can't serve your way, you can't obey your way, you can't come to church enough, not, not enough mission trips, you can't serve this community enough to ever pay the price that Jesus paid for you. He not only died for you, he died instead of you. It was the great exchange. And by him and him alone, you can receive his grace through faith and be changed. That is the gospel. There is no other gospel. There, there is no other way to heaven. There is no other way to peace. There is no other way to, to be affirmed. There is no other way to do what God has called you to do until you accept who he has called you to be through his son, Jesus. As I wanna give you two opportunities right now for some of you, you're in the room and you're tempted to go back to Egypt. You're a believer and you're tempted to go back. Because what you're going through right now isn't what you thought it would be and it's not what you promised and your temptation is i'll just go back to my friends i'll go back to my old life my old ways and you're forgetting about what it cost you then and today you need to make the declaration i'm not going back to egypt i'm gonna trust you in the middle and i'm gonna move forward and there's others of you today that you're still wondering and you're looking for anything you can to satisfy and you're going, manna is stale. I'm tired of just doing the same old thing. Well, guess what? It ain't found in Egypt and it ain't found in Pharaoh and it ain't gonna be found in anything or anyone else other than Jesus Christ. He is your daily bread. Life with him is not stale. He is the only one that will satisfy that craving deep down in your soul and you have a decision right now. Do I to trust him with my life. So would you stand with me? I wanna give you that opportunity. Listen, I don't want you worried about what other people think. It doesn't matter what they think. I can tell you this, at this church, you make a decision to follow Jesus, we throw parties up in here. For some of you, you've made a decision to follow Jesus and you need to get in the river. You need to get baptized. Because what is baptism? Baptism isn't salvation. Baptism is, is you declaring to the world that life is no longer about me, but about Jesus. Isn't that what Jesus was declaring? I'm starting my ministry. I'm doing everything you've called me to do. You're stepping into it. For some of you, your next step is to say, I want to get baptized and get baptized next week. For others of you, it's to find community. But I want to talk right now to those of you who are saying, yeah, I need, to, I need to give Jesus my life. I've been wondering for too long. Jesus wants to invite you home with him. So right now, if you will, will you, will you bow your heads with me? And I want to pray for those of you right now who are tempted to go back to Egypt. If that's you and you've just been dealing with something and you just want me to pray, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. No one will ever know. 
right now, if you're just tempted to go back, will you just lift your hand? Come on. Hands going up all over the room. God, I pray over every hand lifted right now and every hand that's not lifted, that they would not go back to Egypt, that what you have promised them is so much greater than anything they have ever experienced. The best days are not behind them. It is ahead of them. And so, God, give them the community. Give them your word that they need in order to step into the promise you gave right now in Jesus' name. God, may they declare that Egypt is not an option. Put your hand down. There's others of you who want to say yes to Jesus for the very first time today. For others of you, you may be coming back to God. With every head still bowed and eyes still closed, I want to give you the invitation to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And if that's you, would you lift your hand? Right now, with no one looking around, come on. Hands are going up. Keep your hand up for me for just a second. Our team is going to put a card in your hand. We just want to celebrate with you. We have a Bible for you. You can take it out to your lobby. There's one here, one here. There's another one over here, I believe. Second row, maybe. If that's you, lift your hand up. Right here in the middle. And uh, I want to invite you, church, to pray this prayer out loud for those who are saying yes to Jesus today. For those who haven't lifted their hands yet that are saying yes to you. Church, if you would just pray this out loud in agreement that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and let them know they are not alone. Say, God, I love you. We believe that you are who you say you are. Today, I give you my life. I believe you died on the cross for me, that you rose from the grave so that I can be forgiven, so that I can be set free. Today, I give you my life. Egypt is not an option. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone believed it. Who said? Amen. Hey, put your hands together. Everybody made that decision today. Come on. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. If it encouraged you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to stories at renovation.church. And if you'd like to partner with us financially and help us continue to reach people all over the world, you can do that by going to our website, renovation.church. Have a blessed day.